All right. Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. I want to thank you for being here this morning. I want to thank you for joining us. For those of you who are watching online, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you're not turning, would you please stand and worship with us? Here we go. Sometimes those voices try to tell me I forgot and I've fallen too far from his hands. But I know what kind of God he is and I'm trusting in his promises. I believe it and I'm singing. Yes, he morning for that song of praise. Amen. Would you take a moment and greet those around you? Welcome everyone to Crossroads this morning. We're so glad that you're here. Amen. You may be seated, please. We're glad that you're here today. It's been a great morning of worship so far. We're thankful that you're here. Just a few announcements I'd like to share with you. First of all, if this is your first time here, We'd like to welcome you. We'd like to welcome everyone. But if this is your first time, 
Welcome to Crossroads. Please uh, head on out to our, our, uh, our welcome center after the service. We have a gift just to say thank you and to welcome you, <clears throat> to welcome you here today to Crossroads. We'd just like to welcome you and connect with you. Uh, just a few announcements for next Sunday. Coming up next Sunday is our Baby Dedication Sunday. So if you would like to have your baby dedicated, um, there's a lot of new babies in the church. It's exciting what God's doing. But uh, as we dedicate them next week, if you'd like to be a part of that with your baby, please uh, sign up online or you can use the insert inside the bulletin there and you can uh, put that in the offering boxes on the wall or you can give it to the Welcome Center and they will make sure that your information gets, uh, that we include you for next Sunday. Also next Sunday, we're having our next Steps membership class. Uh, This will be right after our 11 o'clock service. So if you here at Crossroads and you say, I'd like to become a member, I'd like to know what this is all about, come on to our Next Steps membership class. We ask you to please register. And again, you can, you can use your Connect card. Take the Connect card out in front of you and off of the seat back in front of you. You can fill that out and just on the back right, please sign me up for Next Steps. Uh, put that in the offering box or go onto our website and sign up as well. And then next Wednesday, so that's all next Sunday. Next Wednesday, we're going to have our Thanksgiving Eve communion service. We're going to have a great night. We're going to share testimonies. We're going to share worship together, and then we'll share communion together. So I always tell people this is uh, one of those services that people absolutely love. It's one of our highlights of the year where we come together. We're, we start at 7, and we're done at like 8-ish. And uh, we'll be here together for just over an hour, and we'll have communion together, and we will celebrate and worship and worship our great God and thanks for all he has done. So this will be our church family Thanksgiving, and then you'll have your family celebration the next day. So I want to encourage you to come on out, although we won't have turkey at church, all right? So, but uh, we will have, uh, maybe I'll be here, right? The turkeys will be here, right? So anyhow, I want to encourage you. I want to say thank you for giving. You're faithful and you're giving. God has been using you. And as you have been giving to the Lord, God is, uh, God is using your gifts for the glory of God all around the world. So I want to encourage you, you can give online, through the mail, or through the offering boxes on the wall here in the auditorium and in the foyer. <clears throat> so let's all stand together as, uh, as we pray and just welcome the Lord's blessing and just ask Him to be honored and adored as we sing and praise Him this morning. Amen? Let's go to the Lord. Father God, we thank you so much for what you're doing. God, you're moving mightily in our church. You're, you're changing people's lives. Every day, Lord, we're seeing somebody... Get, uh, get in touch with you. And it's so exciting just to watch people continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people in giving and serving and attending, Lord. You are so good. And, Lord, we ask that you'll bless each one of us, Lord, as we come before you to worship you as we now attempt to bless you through our worship. So, God, as we sing unto you, uh, would you be honored and adored this morning. In your precious name we pray. Amen.
just thank you for these songs of praise this morning. We thank you when we come to a place where we just come and be ourselves and just worship you. Lord, you are faithful. You are faithful. You are faithful. Lord, you're the God of miracles. And when we pray to you, all of your promises are yes and amen. Not necessarily in our time, but in your time, God, you are faithful. Lord, we ask you to just dwell among us here this morning. Prepare our hearts for today's message. Lord, be with us and watch over us. In your name we pray. Amen. want to say thank you to all of our veterans. We'd like to honor all of our veterans. If you're a veteran this morning, would you please stand up? You served our country in any of the armed forces. Would you stand up? We'd like to honor you this morning. Are there any in the house today? One, two, three, up in the balcony. Thank you so much. Thank you. We appreciate your service to our country. We appreciate your sacrifice to our country. And we don't take it lightly. For your sacrifice and your service to our country is why we're able to do what we're able to do today. We're able to gather here openly and freely and worship the Lord God Almighty. Amen? And we thank you for your service. This morning, we, uh, the first service was full of veterans. And even last night, we had a number of veterans. And I'm so thankful that our church has a lot of veterans in it. Amen? Amen. I thank God for you guys, for you men and women. We appreciate God. We appreciate you guys. Thank God for them. Excuse me. I'd like to also share with you the uh, the Operation Christmas shoebox. Uh, you see them out in the foyer. There, there's uh, there's a number of them left. I want to encourage us. Let's take these home today and pack them and bring them back next week. Um, if you come back tonight, four o'clock to six o'clock, they're having a packing party. You don't have to bring anything. Just show up. They have everything ready to pack. They'll pack several hundred of these tonight here from four to six. And so you open the box and you fill it up and then you bring the thing back. So I want to encourage you, maybe you could take one or two or 10 or 12 of these and, uh, and bring them back next Sunday. 
You can bring them back throughout the week. We'll post them on Facebook, the times that you can bring them back uh, Monday through next Monday. All right, so we'll have the next seven days. We'll be collecting these. So you can bring them in next Sunday. will be the big day. People will be returning them. But all throughout the week, we're a drop-off center for anybody in the area that would like to do this. <clears throat> so, But I want, I want you to see uh, what the kids, what some of their faces are like whenever they open these boxes overseas. Three, two, one! And when those lids come off those boxes, you've never seen such pure joy. This is amazing, as you can see. The children's faces, they're excited as they open up the gifts for the first time. What makes the gifts more than just gifts is the message that comes with the gift. This is the opportunity for a child to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus, and children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Millions of children around the world are being impacted by these simple shoebox gifts. One box can touch not just the child, but the whole family. So we need to keep packing those boxes and pray for the children that God will use this in a very special way. So thank you for being a part of it. God bless you. So we're looking forward to see what God is going to do through our church. You know, you'll pack those boxes and then we will ship them out next week and they will make it around the world. We've been actually on the other side with missionaries as they're handing them out, and it's very powerful whenever you see them open those boxes and the kids just get so excited. And uh, what a privilege it is for us to be participating in that here as a church. And then, uh, then also I want to encourage you that uh, we have, I'm just giving you a few of these Christmas things that are coming up here. We have our Charles Billingsley Christmas Concert and Dessert. I've asked several people to come forward, and they're going to be handing out, coming down the aisle, we want to ask each person to take four invites. I'd like for each one of us as a church to pray about who we can invite to our Christmas concert and, uh, and invite them because here they'll have a concert here and then we'll go to the gymnasium afterwards and we will, uh, we will have dessert after there, over there. Charles Billingsley is one of the top, top Christian vocalists in the country. He's been Grammy nominated. He was part of New Song back in the day. You can read all his stats on the back of the card there. He's been at this for 30 years, and uh, he is he's quite, a, quite a musician that God has talented. But uh, we're not here to just to have a concert for the church family. That's nice to do that. But uh, one of the things that we're trying to do is we want to reach out and bring people in who need a Savior. So this will be a planting event and reaping where we'll help people come to know Jesus. We'll give them an opportunity to trust Jesus as their personal Savior right there that day. So I want to encourage you, pray about somebody that needs Jesus that you can invite. Put that in their hands. If you use the, uh, when you're buying your tickets online, if you use the promo code CRSMIN, you'll get a discount and uh, it'll be an exciting thing. So I want to encourage you that, uh, that as we go there. So that's coming up. And then you'll notice we have our birthday gift to Jesus is coming up here. We have uh, inside of our bolt in there. You'll see the list, and I want to encourage you to be praying over this list. As, uh, as we are in touch with many of these missionaries, we hear a lot back. So one of, the thing, one of the people on here, you'll see there's a number in Haiti. You'll see Fritz and Francois Voltaire. They are uh, several down from the top, about five or six down from the top there. They're feeding orphans in Haiti. And I just want to read to you an update that we, that we got on the situation in Haiti from the Independent Gospel Mission, the IGM, the people that, that help us. Uh, connect with them. It says, uh, the situation in Haiti is very, very critical. 
kidnapping, hunger, thirst, robbery, violence, looting, assassination, suffering, and so forth are happening everywhere in Haiti. According to Fritz Voltaire, people are staying in their homes like prisoners in order to save their lives and those of, uh, and those of their families. Schools, banks, hospitals, government offices, hotels, and so on are closed. The military and the police tremble with fear and do not go to their jobs. The prime minister and the members of the government are hiding and staying quiet. Supermarkets have been destroyed. Cars, houses, and motorcycles are being burned. Travel is impossible. There is no electricity and no water. What is, value, uh, what is available for purchase is very expensive. So as we, as we know in Haiti, as the situation has been tough there for some time, but uh, particularly around Port-au-Prince, the, the people in the major city there are going through a lot of suffering. And so we have a number of them on here. I want you to pray for them and ask God's blessing upon them. And as we're able to get funds for them to help in what little way that we can. Uh, our goal is 100000 for the birthday gift of Jesus. And you'll see that we are on our thermometer. We are moving right along. So far, we have received about 25000 in gifts. Isn't that exciting, you know? Let's thank God for that. We're moving right along. So I'm looking forward to going well over the goal. We'll ask the Lord to take us where he wants us to go. And uh, everything that comes in over the goal goes out. None of it stays here. It all goes out to those missionaries. So if you see a missionary gets 3000 if we go over, they'll get four or 5000 So whatever God gives, we give out. And it's a real, real joy for us to do as a church. So I want to encourage you to give more to Jesus than anybody else on your Christmas list. And then, of course, as we approach Christmas, get, just get you thinking, Christmas Eve, another big time to invite somebody. We'll have invites coming out for those shortly, too. And uh, Christmas Eve will be 2, 4, and 6 o'clock on Christmas Eve. That's on Saturday. And then Christmas Day falls on a Sunday. So we'll be here on Sunday for one service at 10 o'clock. And uh, at that one service, I always tell people that's pajama day. So if you have kids, let your kids come in their pajamas, right? They'll be eating cookies and all that stuff around the house. Just bring them up in their pajamas and let them enjoy the day. And we're going to have a great time here. That'll be a one service on Christmas Day coming up. Before I jump into my message this morning, I've asked Pastor Luke Sereka, he's our youth pastor, to come on up. They had an incredible a night with a junior high. That's what I call middle schoolers, right? Come on up, all right? Would you, uh, let's welcome our youth pastor, Luke Sereka. Man. Luke, would you, would you tell, just give a brief uh, recap of what happened Friday night. I know you guys did the all-night thing, yeah. and I can tell your workers that, that did it, too, because they're barely awake right now. So. I'm, just, I'm just excited that they're here. Let's see here. How do we turn this on? I see a couple of them still here. It's number five. Number five. There you go. But that was, yeah, I'm so proud of for even coming today. You should have seen me yesterday. I was like, uh, I was trying to, have in com- I'm trying to have conversations with my wife, and neither one of us could do anything. We'd have a conversation. We'd stop midway, and then we'd like Was that before just or stop. after? No, that was way both. both. Was that? <laughs> that was definitely both. But it was so much fun on Friday. We had a total of 63 students come out. It was so much fun. Oh, my goodness. It was great. It was awesome because all these kids kept coming up to me, and it's like, I'm inviting, like, four friends. I'm inviting three friends. I was, one kid even said, I'm, I'm going to try and invite my whole football team. And it was just so awesome to see all these new faces. Even all these volunteers were like, man, there's so many new kids that I don't know. And so it was just awesome to be able to take them to – 
we played laser tag and we went bowling. We played we played some games. We even came in here and we had a skit competition. Now that was a lot of fun because that was around four o'clock a.m. So everything was funny, everything was hilarious. We were all dying and on the floor. It was awesome. And so if you actually want to see and see the night unfold on my Facebook, which is Luke dot My last name is spelled S A R. E-Y-K-A, if you look on there, I had everything posted. And if you want to see some of the skits, they're on Facebook. We had a Justin Bieber concert. We had some scary movies. Uh, James Lytle was actually Justin Bieber, and that was the best thing I think I've ever seen. He took 30 minutes to look up Justin Bieber songs just just for the skit. So it was great. We also shared the gospel with the students. We shared First John 4, God is love. And so we shared with these students that they can find love in God. And so it was just a great night of having fun, introducing some kids to church, and to share the gospel with them. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Let's thank God for that, man. I appreciate our youth pastor, man. I appreciate it. And all of our team. We've, we've got a great team of, 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 uh, of youth ministers, man. He's the head, past, head lead pastor of the youth ministry, but he's got a team. Everyone who's over there is serving the Lord, man. We're so thankful for that. And I know Dave and Kim, I see you guys were out there, right? You're kind of like half awake right now. So I know a number of you. Hey, Luke, would you pray and thank God for the great night that you guys had and ask God's blessing upon our message as we look into God's word? Absolutely. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you that we can come in this cold weather just to be able to come into your warmth to be able to come to you and get to learn more about you. Just thank you for the night that we had on Friday. Just thank you that we had 63 students come out and they had so much fun. And just I pray that as, as we shared the gospel with them and shared your love with them, that they got to know it, that they got to realize that it was you and realize that they want more of it. Lord, I just pray over this message and I pray over Pastor Ken as he talks through Psalm 23 about how you are our great shepherd, the good shepherd. Just as we go through this message, that you teach us something, that even through this message, we can come closer to you. And it's, Lord, I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Luke. We appreciate you. Let's thank God for this guy. Psalm 23, we've been in our series talking about my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, verse 2. Verse 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so last week we we focused a lot on verse 3, the the top part there. He restores my soul. And then we kind of just touched on this. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. You know, as we talked about this just briefly last week, sheep are not, sheep are not stationary. And uh, sheep are stationary on their own. They're not migratory on their own. Like they need a shepherd to lead them. They're not going to just go finding the next place on their own. They need somebody to lead them. And so if a sheep were to wander 10 yards away from its pasture, it may never find its way back. And so uh, wander 10 yards away, it can never get on the path again. So the shepherd, sheep need a shepherd. And God, again, as we've gone through this, it's an analogy. He is our shepherd and we are the sheep. 
And so there's so many lessons that we can learn by looking at the sheep. Um, the uh, sheep, they would have to migrate. They would have to go. And we, we talked last week about the, the path. Over in Genesis chapter 37, you see that Jacob had, had his sons. He had all those sons. And he sent the sons out. Uh, the one had a dream. Joseph had a dream. And he stayed back. He was the youngest. Joseph had the dream about the coat of many colors. And he had a dream of, uh, of the, this dream that he would one day be exalted. And he shares it with his, with his brothers. And uh, they get real jealous. So uh, part of the, as you read Genesis 37, the, uh, the sheep now, they go out. They, remember, they're shepherds. So he sends his sons out. Jacob sends his sons out with the sheep. And they're going to new pasture lands because they, they have to go through the seasons. And with the seasons, they would, they would go, go to the different places. They would start up in the green pastures, and they would continue to well-trodden paths. Then they would go to, uh, to, uh, down into dark canyons. They would, they would just kind of go on this journey. And, you know, David, as he's writing this, he knows these places because he's been there. Genesis 37, we see that. We, we see this in whenever, whenever he sent them from Canaan over to Shechem. And so I want you to catch this. Whenever he's saying about the Lord leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake, he's saying that God is going to take you on the right path. Even whenever you're looking at the path, you're looking at life, life is challenging, life can be overwhelming, he's got you on the right path, and he's got the path that pleases God. That's what God wants for your life. He wants to glorify himself. He wants you to glorify him and honor him. And so as you're going through the path of life, he's going to put you, as a shepherd, is going to put you on the right path and on the path that pleases God. Isaiah 58, 11, the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. Um, Psalm 48, 14, for this is what God is like. He is our God forever and ever, and he will guide us until we die. So we can trust the hand of the shepherd. He, he, uh, he, the, the scripture says there, he says, he restores my soul, and then he leads me in paths of righteousness. So as you're going on this journey, you're not on, this, uh, you're not on a stationary journey. You're not here to sit and just be there the rest of your life. God is going to take us on a journey, and the journey is going to go through some tough times. And then he even says in Psalm 23, 4, the very next verse, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He talks here, he says, the valley of the shadow of death. It's, a, it's an image. Uh, when, whenever you hear pe- people know few verses in the Bible, but they know about the valley of the shadow of death. It's one of those phrases that has been, been said and publicized everywhere. Many times people will tell me, man, I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. And to David, it just wasn't uh, something poetic. It, just, it wasn't something that he was just writing and, boy, this sounds good. For David, it was actually a place. And the place was uh, what many scholars would, uh, would have speculated to be the Wadi Kelt. And I have a picture here of the Wadi Kelt. <clears throat> the Wadi Kelt was, a, was a, a specific gorge, and he probably had this in mind when he penned this. It's near Bethlehem, and David probably led his sheep through the Wadi Kelt many times, taking them down the pasture lands of the Jordan Valley during the winter and early spring months. The city of Jericho at the eastern end of the Wadi Kelt is a desert oasis, 
and the area around it is well watered in the winter and the spring. So you have from Bethlehem to Jericho. And so you've got this, this terrain that's pretty rough, and it's, it, it's this big canyon. And so as they, as they kind of go through this, they, they have to take the sheep. And imagine the sheep going through this. The, the Wadi Kelt, and you can look that up online, the Wadi Kelt. Wadi means a deep valley or a ravine. It was said that Jesus had walked through the Wadi Kelt. Jesus went on this journey from Jericho down to Bethlehem, or Bethlehem to Jericho. Uh, Jesus would have taken this route several times, and because of, you know it was known for its treachery. As a matter of fact, if you were to go into the into the Bible and you would see when Jesus was teaching the, about the Good Samaritan, he talked about the path that the that the that the Good Samaritan was on there, uh, the the path of the guy that was injured. He says that he was on the the path of blood or the way of blood, because of the treachery of the bandits and and, and the animals. Jesus walked the Wadi Kelt on his way to the cross. Over in Matthew chapter 20, verse 29, you'll find that Jesus made his journey from, from, uh, from, the, from Jericho, it says. And then as he made his journey, it was, had to be likely through the Wadi Kelt, this cavernous area, this dangerous area. He makes his way down all the way into, into uh, Palm Sunday where he comes riding in on a donkey. And so you can see that Jesus walked that path. And when you catch that, listen, our shepherd has already walked the path. And I want you to catch it because it's, it's an analogy here. Jesus walked the Wadi Kelt. Yeah, David says, yeah, through the, yea, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I want you to catch it. Jesus walked it too, and he walked it on his way to the journey. For him, it was the way of blood, wasn't it? It was the way of blood all the way to the cross. And he will, he will get us safely to heaven. If he can travel it, he knows how to be our guide to get us through it. And so, number one, I want to share with you from this verse, from verse four today, is this. Number one, we will have dark valleys in life. Would you say that with me? We will have dark valleys in life. There's no way to get around it. Life is filled with a lot of valleys. And they're dark. He says, yay. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yea. He's not saying, yay, like yippee skippy. You know, I can't wait to get through this and let's go. He's saying, yes. Yes. It's a connecting word. You lead me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes. Even when those paths are like dark canyons. When we're in the Lord's will, we have the Lord's guidance. And he's going to take us to places that are sometimes, it looks tough. Sometimes it looks like there's thickets and thorns. And you say, wow, does the shepherd know what he's doing? And I want to remind you today that Jesus, your good shepherd, laid down his life for you. He absolutely knows what he's doing. He has already walked this rough and risky road, and he is there with you. He says, yea, though I walk through. You know what? That is such an important transition. Listen, the, yea, though I walk through. Valleys are a transition. Valleys can be long. They can be dark. They can be severe. They can be cold. They can be chilly, right? When you're out there actually walking the valley. 
but you know, it's what a metaphor it is for, for the problems of life, isn't it? You look at life, you look at prolonged financial stress, you look at crisis, you look at family problems, marital problems, uh, kids, marriage on the rope, kids, addiction, depression, terminal illness, old age, and even death. Every hero of the Bible traveled this. I want you to catch this because God never made a great leader without him going through a great valley. This is how God grows us. When we go through a great valley, that's where God takes us and he grows us. I want you to consider Moses this morning. Moses was in the desert for 40 years. You want to talk about being challenged? You want to talk about, hey, God, you got a plan for my life, and God puts you out in the desert at age 40. You know, at age 40, you're kind of raring to go. It's like this is the last of the last, right? Like 40s. Man, I'm 40. I'm going to be young again. We act like that in our 50s too. But by the time you get 80, you're not acting like that anymore, are you? And Moses was put out in that desert from age 40 to 80. And it was in that dark, dark valley, that cavernous, cold time of his life, that God made him the leader that he wanted him to be. And then he sends him in at age 80, and he says, I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And what does, what does Moses say back to God? But, 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 that's the, 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 the stutter. Yeah. And God says, that's why I chose you. Because I put you in the desert for 40 years, and you've learned how to trust me. So now go tell him. But choose Aaron. No, he's going to go. And he goes in, and God does this. And God takes him through this 40 years of this wilderness experience. For him, it was the dark valley. Speaking of Genesis 37, whenever the children of Israel, uh, whenever uh, Jacob, Jacob sent his sons out to go, go out to pasture. Well, when Joseph goes out to the pasture, and he goes to check on them and, and check them, they end up beating him up. They throw him in a pit. And they beat him, and it's forceful, it's ugly. They make it look like he's dead. And it begins a 13-year valley for him. You want to talk about a long valley, 13 years. You're 17 years old. Now think of 17. You've got your life ahead of you, right? You're graduating high school at 17 years old. 18, right? 17, 18, right in there. I graduated 17. Man, I couldn't wait. I got out of there. I was like, man, I can't wait to blaze my trail. Joseph, 17 years old, a man wanting to do his life, right? He goes out there to check on his brothers. They beat him up, throw him in a pit, and they sell him into slavery. And it now becomes a 13-year valley. And that valley becomes filled with, filled with uh, bondage, prison, uh, false accusations of sexual assault, and repeated disappointment one after the other after the other. And look here, over in Genesis 42:21, we see that his first response, and this, this is encouraging to me because sometimes I look at these Bible figures and I say, wow, I could never be like those guys. Well, his first response was this. Uh, his brother said that whenever we threw him in the pit, we saw his anguish and him pleading for his life, but we wouldn't listen. And so I want you to catch this. Even, even, Jacob, uh, even Joseph here, as he's thrown into the pit, he starts his valley, and what happens at the beginning of his valley? He's in anguish. He's begging for his life. And that, oh, man, that sounds like us so much, doesn't it? In the valleys of our life. Man, sometimes we're just pleading. We're, we're filled with anguish. We're saying, God, please, why? What are you doing? Well, in the meantime, the shepherd is there. 
when, when he emerged, whenever he emerged out of this valley, 13 years later at the age of 30, he was now ready to be the prime minister of Egypt. And God did great things. And, and remember, that's the famous line. He says, what, God, you know, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And this is what happens. God takes us through the valley, and we come out on the other side. So the key emphasis here is through. You're going to go through the valley. And I want to remind you that on, the, on one end was Bethlehem of the Wadi Kelt, and on the other end was, uh, was Jericho. And we can catch this because, yea, though I walk through the valley, the same God who led you into the valley will take you out of the valley. I want you to catch that. The same God who led you in will take you out. And so we can have confident assurance in who he is. Uh, David didn't say, man, I walk in, I'm hanging out. This is a dead-end street. There is no dead ends in the guidance of God. There are no cul-de-sacs. This is his will. This is how he's taking us. Uh, What this tells us is that the, the valley of the shadow of death is a temporary state, a transition. There's a brighter path ahead. There's a hopeful future. And may I just say this about our valleys, the, the valleys that we face in life, the problems that we face. Problems are always temporary for the Christian. Remember that. Problems are always temporary. The blessings are always eternal. Oh, this is such a, a, a thing to remind you of. The blessings of God. The problems of God, the problems, uh, the problems for a Christian are always temporary, but the blessings are always eternal. Valleys don't go on forever. Remember that. Maybe right now this morning you're in a valley. Valleys don't go on forever. God is working and he will take you through the valley. The future is bright. And the future is as bright as the promises of God. And so when you remember that, there's nothing that you're going through that the promises of God don't cover. So the future, you have a bright future. There's no cul-de-sac. There's no dead end in his will. The valley of the shadow of death comes right in the middle of the psalm. He goes, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down beside green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me. And then right in the middle, we go in and we're going to go through. He says another important word there I want to draw to your attention is the shadow. Yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death. He's not talking about death valley. I think there is a place in California known as death valley. He's not taking you to death valley. He's saying you're going to go through the shadow of the valley, through the valley of the shadow of death. Have you ever been run over by a shadow? Yeah. Did it hurt? A shadow. shadow didn't hurt you. It might have scared you. It might have scared you. The shadow is scary, right? But the shadow can't hurt you. Man, I want you to think about this. If you're standing by and a train comes and, and you know, it whizzes right past you and you're standing on that platform, the train goes right by, standing in that Amtrak out on the platform there, and the, the, the sun is shining, and, man, that shadow comes on you. It's cold, but, man, the shadow doesn't hurt you. The shadow just, it, it can't hurt you. And that's what he says here. He says it's the shadow of death. 
Because that's exactly what the metaphor here for us is to understand. Why does he say the shadow of death? Man, this is painful. There's a lot of pain going on. He says this is the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. I want you to consider this. Jesus was the one who was hit by the real thing, not by the shadow. Jesus collided with our sin on the cross, and he faced death for us. And he died, and he was buried, and three days later, he rose again. When he hung on the cross, the sky turned dark. The earth quaked, and the angels, they trembled in fear. Uh, the, the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. And uh, we are only hit by the shadow. So even death for us, we will all face death. One day we will all have to experience our physical body dying. But I want you to know that that will be for us only the shadow of death because we have life eternal with Jesus Christ forevermore beyond there. For the non-believer, they have to experience true death. For the believer, the one who's trusted Jesus as their personal Savior, they get to experience life eternal. And so as we die, this is just a shadow of death. Look what John 14 and 19 says here. Jesus said here, he says, A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. He was going to die on the cross. He was going to rise again, then he goes into heaven. And he says, listen, a little while longer, I'm out of here. The world's not going to see me, but you will see me again. He's talking about heaven. Uh, look here at, uh, at uh, John 11, at, at Lazarus' funeral. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And, and listen, this is the big deal. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? That's where he says, man, put your faith and your trust right there. And this truth changes our perspective. Because as you're looking and you're going through life, you're seeing the trials of life, even the loss of a loved one. When you hear that word, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It changes your perspective. This is not the end. It's the shadow. It's the valley. The word for evil is distress. He says, I will fear no evil. The word for, uh, for evil could mean distress, could mean misery, injury, calamity, and trouble. He says, I will not fear any of those. I want you to catch that. Because the Lord is my shepherd, he takes me through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Man, you don't have to fear injury, calamity, distress, misery. We don't have to fear these valleys because he is the one who removes that fear. The Lord is the one. When I know that he is near me, man, that changes everything. That's the game changer. Uh, I heard about the, a lady that was, it was in 19, I'm sorry, 1857. She was a pastor's wife, and, uh, and she had expressed uh, her love for the Lord. She was a very zealous person, loved to feed homeless people, go out and help the poor, and she did a lot of that type of work. But uh, she ended up getting uh, a terminal illness, and she began to uh, understand that, that her health was failing and that it was coming down to the end. And for her, she began to read and claim Psalm 23. 
She said, if, there's a, if there must be a funeral after I die, let it be Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And, uh, and this is what she said. These were the words that she said to her friends as she got closer and closer. Almost at home, my precious Bible. I never thought that I would walk a journey like this and God would take me through it. I never thought I could have enjoyed this so much. I don't have an anxious thought. It is heaven already begun. Jesus is precious. I have no fear. Still later, she whispered to another friend. She said, it's not like a deathbed. It's like being held in the arms of Jesus. Shortly after that, she said to another friend, it is sweet to die in Jesus. Bless God, my dear. I am so happy, even though I walk through the valley. And her final words were, valley, shadow, home, Jesus, peace. Folks, we will all face the end of our life on earth one day. And my prayer is that you are prepared for that that you have trusted Christ and that you have the shepherd to take you through there. He says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the punishment of their sin. That's how you get the relationship with the shepherd. And if you're a believer, let me tell you, there's no need to fear what's ahead. There's no need to fear the future because even death itself is but a shadow and it cannot hurt us. We will be all right in the almighty hands of God. Amen? He says, I will fear no evil. Man, as you go through the Bible and you you look, man, when people gave their lives for Christ, they feared no evil. Over in in Acts chapter 7, you read about a guy named Stephen. He was stoned to death for preaching the word of God. And as they stoned him, there was a lot of things that were going through his mind. But fear wasn't one of them. You just go read Acts 7 sometime. He just kept declaring the glory of God. And he was praying. And God's will was done. And God used him. And here we are still today. And what I'd like to suggest is that when we understand this, I have no need for fear. And, and if you, maybe we could paraphrase the verse like this. Even in the dark moments of life or in death, I will not give way to panic or anxiety. With the Lord near me, there's no room for fear. Even in these dark moments of life or in death, I will not give way to panic or anxiety. You see, man, I don't have to go there. There's no room for fear in my life because the shepherd is near. Uh, That's the next thing I want you to write down in your notes. The good shepherd is always with you. He is always with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. This is how the... Now, the, the psalm shifts here. He starts out in the, in the, into the uh, third person, and then he moves into the second person. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me. He, lies, he makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores me. And now he moves into this, for you are with me. You are with me. Oh, I want you to catch this. He's saying there's a close personal connection. And you can have this close personal connection knowing that the good shepherd is always with you. Jesus, our good shepherd, is always with you. 
Psalm 46, 1 says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in a time of trouble. Now look there. He says God is a very God is a present help. God is not distant. He is a help and he is present. He is right here with you. He's never left you. God is a very present help. He it doesn't just say present, it's a very present help. I mean like it is overwhelming his presence here. He is a very present help in trouble. We've got a lot of trouble, don't we? There's a man, our world is really in trouble. But our God is with us, a very present help in a time of trouble. He is a very, has a very present help. And look what verse 2 says, 46.2 says, Therefore we will not fear. He is a very present help, therefore I will not fear. God is taking you down the valleys of life, and it's shadowy, and it's cold, and you're like wondering what's going on. Remember, the shepherd is there, and he says that there's no need for fear. Even though the earth be removed, the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, I will not fear, for he is the Lord. He is a very present help. Over in Deuteronomy, we'll see this. Deuteronomy chapter 31, you see a promise that was given to Joshua. Moses was the great leader. Joshua was now going to become the next leader. Moses had the 40 years in the wilderness. Joshua now has got to step up. And Joshua, after, after the 40 years of him leading and taking the children of Israel, and Joshua's going to take them into the land. And here's what the promise, look what Moses says. Moses called on Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people into the land which the Lord God has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. How does he tell them not to fear? By understanding that the Lord is near. He is with you. Joshua 1.5, no man shall be able to stand. Now look, God, as he's leading, God himself gives him the promise. He says, no man will be able to stand against you. Ooh, don't you love that? Nobody will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Have I not commanded you? Be strong. Verse 9, he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So Joshua gets this promise twice. Moses tells it to him, then God himself tells it to him. And we get the same promise. If we could just understand that the Lord is with us. Hebrews 13.5 says this. Let your conduct be without covetousness. He's telling us how to live a godly life. Be content with the things that you have. For he himself, Jesus, God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Wow. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Now, folks, in a time of trouble, I want you to be encouraged to boldly say, he is my helper. He will never leave me. He is with me. We have the authority on the word of God to do that. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Memorize that verse. I will never leave you. That is the, I have assurance in my salvation. 
I will never leave you. The Lord will never leave me. I have assurance that when this world, I'm going through the valley, he will never leave me. Number four in your notes, the good shepherd will comfort you. The good shepherd will comfort you. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And when you understand these two things, I mean, I've read them and just kind of thought, wow, that's nice shepherd talk, which I'm not a shepherd. What's it mean? Thy rod and thy staff. A rod was kind of a club. It was a shorter. You have the staff. There's the staff on the screen there. The staff had a hook. And he would, you typically see them walking, but it had a hook and it had a purpose. But he also had another thing. It was known as a rod. It would be like a club. And he would use the club. He would use the, we'll come back to that. Let's go to the first picture there. He would use the club to, to beat, beat off anything that would come against. You know, another animal comes up to harm that. He would beat them off. And it was just a club, just a straight piece of wood type of thing. It was heavy and it was hard. And so he would protect the outside. And then with the hook on the shepherd's staff, thy rod and thy staff, every now and then he'd have to do like this. He'd have to pull you in, like the next picture. He'd have to pull you in and just, just kind of rope you in around your neck. I, I mean, he'd just take that hook and rope a shepherd in. That's what the, the a rope a sheep in. A shepherd would have to do that. And so the psalmist here, he says, The Lord is with me. His rod protects me from the outside. And his staff protects me from my own self. From my own wandering. From my own foolishness. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. He said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Have you consciously thought of God standing with you? Then it will not be difficult to perceive the presence of God. You will view it as so real that when you open your eyes in the morning, you will look to him in praise. When you close them at night, it will be like resting under the shadow of his wings. Visualize. Can you see that? Can you, can you consciously Think of God standing with you. Because it's true. He said, I will never leave you. You've opened your heart to trust Christ. The Holy Spirit steps into you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And I want to invite you today. That's the application today. Will you, will you, will you really take this seriously? Man, you're going through a valley. Some of you have been in a valley for a long time. I want you to know that there's life on the outside of there. There's actually life in the valley. There's light on the outside. Man, God is taking you through this, and his rod is defending you, and his staff is protecting you. And I want to encourage you today to live this verse, because, man, we're all facing these times, aren't we? We're all facing a valley of some time. Let's close in prayer. God is with us. The most powerful statement in the Bible. For you are with me. As we prepare to sing our closing song today, I'm going to ask you, maybe today you, you need to trust Jesus as your Savior. You've not opened your heart to trust Him. That's how you get a relationship. That's how you become the sheep of the shepherd. That's how you let God be your good shepherd. Jesus died on the cross and paid for your sin. And he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I invite you today, if you've not opened your heart to him, would you pray something like this to him? Dear God, I'm a sinner. 
and I need a Savior. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin, and you came back to life again for me. So, God, I trust you right now with my heart and soul. I invite you into my life. Thank you that you are now my shepherd. And for others in the room, for those of you that need to trust God in the midst of the valley, maybe you're going through a tough time and it just seems like it's getting tougher. May I give you the confident assurance that God himself has told us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, you can boldly, boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I have no need for fear. Lord, be with each one of us. Help us to really think of you standing right next to me with your arm around me. Help me to live that way in this valley of life that I'm going through now. God, I know that you're with us. I know that you will care for us. And Lord, there's nothing greater than knowing having a relationship with you, the good shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together as we sing our closing song and worship to the Lord.
they don't do your power much justice. It's too great. Too great to be bound by little letters we make up.